Hello and welcome back. You're listening to the ACAP Coffee Break with Meg Murray, a podcast from the Association for Community Affiliated Plans. Thanks for listening. Today's episode features Kathy Petway, the Senior Director of Priority Partners MCO in Maryland, a founding ACAP member plan. Kathy also serves as the treasurer for ACAP's board of directors. This conversation with Kathy is the second of three special episodes of the ACAP Coffee Break. These conversations were recorded during a session for ACAP's Leadership Academy. Kathy, Liz Gibney of Partnership Health Plan of California, and Frank Dominguez of El Paso Health joined Meg on a panel to discuss their leadership influences, advice, and how they lead in crisis. Here's Meg. So my questions today are really just about your journey. And um, Kathy, I thought maybe I'd just start with you and ask what, what, what brought you to healthcare. Thank you, Meg. Um, it's a pleasure to be here today. Um, and uh, my journey uh, isn't uh, the typical, all my life I knew I wanted to do healthcare. So um, I'll tell you how I landed here, but I'm so glad I did. <laughs> um, so when I graduated from college, I actually studied to be a teacher. I always um, wanted to be an educator. I consider myself a lifelong learner. Um, uh, but when I got off of my teaching position, it wasn't um, what I expected. They wanted me to travel between schools. And um, I didn't like that. I, I wasn't uh, a component of that. And so I ran into a friend of mine and she said, you know, if you work at Hopkins, you can go to school free. Oh, everybody so knows I, that, right? Who lives around in Maryland? Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I'm going to go and pursue my master's degree. And so I got a job at Hopkins acquired my master's degree. And I'm here to tell you 20 some years later, they've gotten all that money back because mm -hmm. I have worked my way up through operations. I've worked in almost every capacity of operations, claims, customer service, quality, um, training, you name it on the operational side. I ran a, a six practice uh, orthopedic surgeon office. So I've really got a lot of hands-on experience of how healthcare uh, operations uh, run. And then about 10 years ago, I was given a wonderful opportunity to join Priority Partners, which is one of nine managed care organizations. We're actually the largest in Maryland, serving over 330,000 uh, members, $1.6 billion in revenue statewide. Um, and as in my job, I am the plan administrator. So I'm responsible for uh, making sure that we have a great relationship with the state, making sure that all the Comar regulations and things that they implement, we implement those. And so that's kind of how I got into healthcare. But one of the things that I want to say, uh, just very quickly, because I know we're going to shift over into leadership, I don't feel like I'm far from my original goal of being a teacher. Because as a leader, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a mentor, coach, people developer type of leader. And I feel like um, I'm ensuring that my uh, employees and my peers, my direct reports, et cetera, have learning moments. That's my goal. What are those leadership um, skills that you've seen other people use that have helped you? Um, I want to share two, two perspectives for you. One from a family perspective. My mom came from a family of 15, eight boys, seven girls. All right. So being around all of those personalities, you have to learn. Uh, and But I will tell you that um, from watching my, my grandparents as well as my mom, they just instilled um, 
good morals, good values, and a work ethic. My grandfather actually owned what uh, we called a corner store in Baltimore. And so we were the only store in the little community where I grew up. So early on, I learned about networking and bartering because my grandfather <laughs> made friends with the community physician, the mailman, you know, all the other persons who had resources that they needed. And before there was MasterCard and Visa, I used to carry around a marble black notebook because that's where we wrote in what they spent and they would come and they would pay on their account. And like with the family physician, he, he could come in and, and purchase from the store. And then when we needed healthcare, he would take care of our services. So my grandfather taught us how to network early on. Um, he taught us about hard work. You can imagine I learned so much being around 15 aunts and uncles, and that's just on my, my mom's side. Um, wow. Then I wanna, yeah, I wanna just very quickly uh, talk to you a little bit about on my professional side. There are two people. Um, one, his name was Chris McManus. He was over our IT department. As I told you, I worked in training. Uh, and the other young lady, her name was Ann Warwick, and she was the VP of quality. So, um, and two backgrounds that, you know, are very crucial in the healthcare environment from an IT as well as quality, because they're both very important. One of the things I wanted to say about Ann is that she was a, a, a woman very small in stature. Uh, if you can uh, uh, think of uh, Carrie Washington. And I, I've often said before there was an Olivia Pope, there was Ann Warwick because Ann could command the attention in a room. And she didn't have to do it being loud, being forceful. Um, her skill set, her ability to connect with people. Uh, on all levels. I was just thoroughly impressed with it as I got to watch her and work for her. Chris McManus, uh, if I can share, uh, he was over IT, but he taught me the importance about um, being a leader, but also having the right, right balance, you know, family time, work time, self-care time, all of those types of things. Um, and I'll tell you a very quick story because I know we have limited time. As a new wife and mom, one day my husband came to the office and brought both the children. He was coming to pick me up for lunch. And so the children, and my children are a year and two days apart. So they came running down the hall, making a little noise. And, and Chris, who was the uh, CEO of IT, um, his assistant came out and said, quiet your children down, he's in a big meeting. Um, and so I got, I was nervous because I didn't realize that the CEO was in a big meeting, nor did I know that my children were gonna come and run down the hall that day. But you can imagine after all of that happened, I was kind of on pins and needles that day because his admin had kind of set the tone that I may have interrupted a big meeting. So I hung around, I, I stayed till, because his, he had two offices to his door and his second office opened to mine. And so when I kind of saw that office open, I kind of put my head in, you know, hey, Chris, I just wanted to apologize. You know, I understand you had a big meeting today and I just shared with him what happened. Um, you know, my husband and my daughters came to, to meet me, take me to lunch. And how he handled that situation, I'll never forget. And it, it just resonated with me. And he said, best noise I heard all day. He said, um, um, I was actually in a meeting and he told me that, you know, he said, actually, it was pretty boring. He said, so <laughs> when, when I heard when I heard your daughters come down the hall, 
He said, I literally wanted to open the door and come meet them. Um, I mean, but you can imagine how things went on from there. But I walked away with a lot just from that encounter. And he told me, he said, never lose that. He said, because many of us, as we make our leadership climb, something gets unbalanced. And he said, for him, it was his family life because he worked all the time and his children reminded that. So he gave me some excellent advice about balancing family life and children. I mean, family life and your professional life. Um, one of the things I wanted to know was, uh, talk to me about a challenge that you faced um, and how you used your leadership skills or how your leadership skills were maybe challenged by the challenge. And I'll, I'll just say for myself a little bit that um, in 2017, that was the big year for ACAP when the repeal and replace happened. And um, that was probably the most challenging year for me, although in retrospect, also the most exciting, but um, to be able to really um, fight against that and with 100% and all the work that we had done kind of analytically as well as financially. And again, Kathy's our treasurer, so I thank her um, that you know, we had very good resources. So we were able to throw a million dollars into the Facebook ads, um, getting people to write those messages to Congress, which resulted in 50,000 emails to Congress and ultimately winning, um, which is why the, 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 uh, the piece I just put in the chat about those uh, sending emails is we've learned is so important. But um, to me, it was just kind of using all those skills that you had in, for that moment uh, where you have the, you know, the, the existential threat, which is how we saw it. Meg, maybe you'll remember this, but back in 2015, the state went from a paper redetermination or re-enrollment period to moving it online. And they made the uh, assumption that because uh, so many people were using their cell phones, that they could easily transition to filling out their applications online. Well, I'm here to tell you that being able to use a cell phone versus being able to navigate uh, software online isn't always the same. And through that experience, we lost $70 million. We lost about 19,000 members. Um, and it was tough times for party partners because the state holds you accountable to have a certain amount of risk-based capital. And we had to tap into that because of the losses that we were experiencing. And, um, and you know, one of the things I wanna say about leadership, you need to know your personality under pressure. You know, if somebody asked you, what type of leader are you? You would say, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a coach. I would say, I'm a mentor, I'm a teacher, I'm a coach. But do you maintain that same personality and those skill sets under pressure? Um, I think you need to be aware of that because believe it or not, there is a shift and you want to be mindful when you have that shift. But what we did do was we came together. Um, that's what that's what I have to tell you. Um, we each came into our strength. I knew that my job, I'm a people person. I can connect with people, easily talk to them. So my CEO at that time gave me the autonomy to think out of the box and say, how can we get these people back? How can we help them? because we were also working under limitations because the state said you can't market, you know, to a particular uh, population, you know, um, it has to be general across all nine MCOs. And so um, I started having um, weekend open houses, uh, going to where they live, told them they could bring their children. I was doing whatever it took to get them to feel safe because, um, this new online enrollment system was asking for salary information, your passport if you had it, your social security number, et cetera. And I can tell you for 
my Latino populations, they were wondering if I was going to have an immigrant officer there, you know, so, and they would send uh, one person in. And once that person found out that the environment, these open houses that we had established was safe, then they would get on the wire and tell every, all the other ones. And then I would have an uh, increase of, of members coming in. And that happened all throughout uh, Maryland. So um, I wanted to say, I appreciated my, my CEO giving me um, the autonomy to think out of the box, be creative. Um, I have balloons, I had a face painter. I did things so that they felt comfortable bringing their children. And um, I just made it so that, and I had, um, I offered uh, unusual hours because some of them had daycare issues, they were working, et cetera. So, um, I wanted to tell you, I, I really appreciated that. But the last thing I want to say about us as a team, we were each other's strength. It was real easy for my actuary and my CFO to feel like it was all his fault because we lost so much money. But we wouldn't let him shoulder that burden alone. And one of the things that we did on a daily basis, we kept everybody informed. What do you know? What's happening? What are people saying? I didn't keep it just in my uh, arena of what was going on with the membership. We came together so that I knew what my CFO knew about this situation, what my policy person knew about this situation, what I was doing with the membership, what the CEO knew what was going on, because the more information we were sharing amongst one another and not operating in our silos and not trying to solve it to be Superman or Iron Man by ourselves. I mean, I'll say we came together as the Avengers because we had to resolve this issue collectively. Yeah, well, I think one of the lessons there is you cannot over-communicate. It's certainly one of the things I've learned and keep saying it because people hear it at different times and things. We had a, a question, couple questions in the chat and one from Eric. He asks, um, and I'll just throw this out generally, is can you talk about your upward movement challenges from being a director to becoming a C-suite executive? And what were some of the biggest learning curves that you experienced when you made that jump from director level to C-suite? I'm still trying to get there. So <laughs> I'm the senior director and the plan administrator at Priority Partners. I have a wonderful CEO. Um, I am a part of the uh, executive uh, uh, team within the company. And, and, and what, what is important, what we have been able to do is we put together what is called a talent profile. And so, um, and it's part of our mission to, um, to find those uh, employees' aspirations, their talents and their skills and try to connect them within the corporation with those that can assist them in getting to their, to their goal and to their, to, to their desire. Um, role of uh, being a CEO. Um, I know one of the questions I, I looked in the chat, she was talking about whether or not you should stay within a, the same company. Um, I've been with Hopkins uh, over 25 years, as I, as I stated. And one of the things that I think is very important is to make the connections within the organization for where you're trying to go. You can even knock on that person's door and say, are you interested or do you have time for mentoring me or can I stop by and we can go to lunch and chat about how you got to where you are or in the role that you that that you are in. Um, so I think all of those types of things are very important and I, I want to say that um, our company makes a conscious effort of what we call um, succession planning. 
um, for those who have aspiration to be in leadership, to be in the C-suite. Um, right now, I'm in a leadership development program that uh, Johns Hopkins offers, uh, and I'm with people from all backgrounds, all le uh, levels. Um, I had a wonderful conversation today with a trauma surgeon, um, talked to the president of Johns Hopkins, Dr. Paul Rothman. So having though, that type of access and having a company that is willing to invest in leaders, I think is very important and helps you to get to the, the C-suite if that's what your desire is. Um, somebody, um, so Isabel just asked a question about best practices for balancing work and life, um, especially as your work, as you know, as you, as you go up the ranks, your work increases. How do, how do you, how did you handle that? You have to build it into your plan. Um, you have to say that um, this, I'm worth it because self-care is important. Because if you want to be a leader, and I hear maybe some of you want to be uh, C-suite types of leaders, you want to give them the best you. And if you're not investing and managing um, your priorities and yourself, I don't know all the time that they're going to get the best you. So I think having a, a, a good uh, um, support system, if that is your partner, your spouse, your family, your, your parents, all of those types of things, um, planning it out. Um, but recognizing too, there are gonna be some times when you may have to work harder or longer hours, et cetera. Um, but don't be too rigid, you know, don't be too rigid because you're gonna need flexibility because as Meg and others have said, a bill can come out, a law can come, you know, anything can happen that can impact if you're the, the CEO, your, your company. Um, and you want to be able to address those situations. But I think if you put everything in perspective um, and have a plan um, and making sure that you are, are taking care of yourself, your family, as well as your job, you can manage multiple priorities. I, I do believe you can do that. And that includes family, work life, and, and have an extracurricular life. I volunteer and participate in a service organization as well because these are um, leaders that are in the academy and they're, you know, they're aspiring to, to, you know, maybe go into becoming a CEO. For where you are now, and I'm, I'm not sure, you know, um, childbearing age, do you want a family, you're not married or whatever. When you go to that company, ask the question. I meant to say that earlier. You know, uh, do, you know, do you allow work from home or do you allow flexibility or, you know, it's so important to have a conversation um, because that way you'll know that culture, if it's gonna be a good fit. And you may even, because you're maybe a new employee to that company, you may even cause them to think about it because maybe they are, if I can call it old school and nine to five, everybody has to do that. But you coming in and just saying, hey, you know, my husband and I are starting to plan a family. I'm making this up, but. And so what's your policy, you know, for uh, maternity leave, you know, childcare? Do I have flexibility in the morning or after hours, et cetera? And I'll end by saying this, COVID has showed all of us, you know, we can have a lot of flexibility. Again, if you don't remember anything else I said, have the conversation, you know, tell them what you, what you need, what you're hoping for, or what you would like to know if they would consider. 
Um, Tony had a good question about um, talk about the aspects of the job that you missed from when you were before you were in the C-suite. Um, I know for myself, I was a policy analyst and sometimes I love to get my fingers back into some issue um, and be the lead on it. And I always tell my staff, I still got it. I still got it. And that feels so good. Um, how do you handle that? And what is it that you miss from before you were kind of in the executive level? As I told you, I worked my way up on the operations side and we celebrated you know, meeting quotas, um, you know, getting the, if I can say it, the, the claims out the door, making sure that we processed them all in under 30 days and didn't have to pay interest and things of that nature. So um, at the C-suite, I mean, we celebrate, but oftentimes it's us giving a lot of recognition to our staff and things of that nature. But just having those small wins, you know, setting a, a task, accomplishing it, everybody being excited about it, you know, a lot of that camaraderie on the floor, uh, because sometimes I just want to say in leadership, the higher up you go, it can be a little lonely. Now, all that's harder to do with COVID when you're not, you know, it's harder to have that celebratory feeling on, on Zoom. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Don't miss an episode. You can find and subscribe to the ACAP Coffee Break wherever you get your podcasts. And when you do, give us a shout on Twitter using the hashtag ACAP Coffee Break. We'll put you in a drawing for a Starbucks gift card. So the next time you tune in, your coffee's on us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.